Attention parents and coaches. Do you wish you had a safe social media platform for your youth athletes? Fortunately for you, there's a revolutionary new app that helps with just that. Introducing Small Player Big Play. Small Player Big Play app provides young athletes, parents, and coaches a user-friendly sports social media platform. The app allows users to connect with friends, make new friends, create groups, text, chat, and post pictures and videos of you and your teammates participating in your favorite sport or activity. To begin, users can simply download and sign up for the app using an email account. Younger users have the ability to sign up using their smartphone and a parent's email address. From there, users can begin to interact and engage with other users of the app. Small Player Big Play app also gives users the ability to live stream full games and events. You can live stream your event so that friends, family, or anyone in the world can see you in action. Users can also share posts from the app to their other social media accounts like Facebook and Twitter. What are you waiting for? Get in the game and share your love of sports with the world. Download the Small Player Big Play app today. Listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Welcome to the Season 7 premiere of the Bulldog Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting across from me is my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Justin, how are you doing this evening? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's uh, it, In some ways, it's hard to believe we're back here, you know, starting the next the next season of, of this. Right. Um, in other ways, I'm like, man, like, I'm, I'm ready for that. Let's, let's get this show on the road. For sure. Uh, yeah, just a, a year ago at this time, we actually were debuting season six with Chad. He joined us for the season six premiere. Uh, and much like last year, we are not alone this evening. So I want to take the moment now to welcome in our guest. Very familiar to the folks around Berks County. And it is Mr. Paul Roberts. Paul, thanks for joining us on the season seven premiere of the Bulldog Hour. Well, it's, it's good to be back with you guys, but... I'm sure your audience is really let down. You go from Chad Henney to me. I mean, geez, that's that is rough. Sorry, yeah, not to put you on the spot there, or you talk about our previous guests or anything. But uh, Justin and I like to talk about the the, uh, the past before we talk about the future. But we're super excited to have you here this evening. Now, you have not you are not a first time guest with us. We've been having you on our regular show uh, that we talk about. Uh, you know the. The professional sports world uh, that Justin and I just celebrated 10 years uh, last week. And it's been a lot of fun talking to you about uh, professional sports, but we know your bread and butter is is high school sports. So it just kind of was a normal progression for Justin and I to invite you onto this show. And we're really excited to have you here. Yeah, it's good to, to be here. And uh, it is, it's, 
It's an interesting time uh, because I, I know you guys focus a lot on football on this show, but obviously the Berks County basketball playoffs just just ended. But certainly in, in West Lawn and Spring Township, football is pretty much 12 months out of the year. That's for sure. And that's the way Justin and I feel. I know a lot of people feel like that, but we are not going to uh, shortchange basketball. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Berks County uh, playoff scene this year in 2021, especially with the uh, county championship just being decided the other night. And um, for us on this show, thankfully, the Wilson Bulldogs came out on top. But, uh, Paul, what was your take on the high school basketball season to date at this point? Um, what were your main takeaways before we dive into Wilson Redding? Well, uh, certainly those teams in Division One. again, when you look at Wilson and Redding and, you know, Burke's Catholic came up into uh, Division One. That was a big storyline. Uh, the Saints have been down a little bit, so it was a, a tough go. But uh, Governor Mifflin was really good last season and started to play better towards the, the end of, of this season. But you know, Division One's always going to get a lot of attention. And then Muhlenberg switching over to Division Two. I mean, that was a big change, obviously. And they were able to win that division. Uh, Conrad Weiser was in there as well. But uh, the big takeaways, I think, Stevie Mitchell, for sure. Uh, we're talking about one of the all-time greats, not just at Wilson, but in the history of, of Berks County basketball. He is closing in on 2,000 points. He should get there in their their next game. They're going to have a bye in the uh, first round of districts because they're the number two seed. So they will play uh, at home on Friday against either Lebanon or Hempfield, which is interesting because those two teams just played for the LL championship. But Stevie Mitchell, huge story. And today the coaches voted for the all-county team. Uh, people follow me on Twitter can can see that. But uh, once again, to the surprise of absolutely no one, uh, Stevie Mitchell was named Player of the Year, uh, headed to Marquette, and uh, just a good kid as well as being a, a heck of a basketball player. Yeah, for sure. And I like that you bring that up, and I like that you and, and others point that out all the time, that the, the kids in the program are very, very polite and respectful, and Stevie Mitchell leads the way there. Um, and I got tasted that firsthand today where he unsolicited messaged me to thank me for the food that um, the team <laughs> got today. Um, so it, it's just things like that, that when high school athletes, um, guys that are role models to the, their community, uh, both, you know, probably I'm sure kids around them at school, but especially the young, youngsters in the community looking up to them all the time. Um, one of the biggest disappointments right now is those kids not being able to go and watch them play um it just the way it is uh, this time of uh this time of the year with those sports inside that just don't have a lot of access uh because of uh the nature of things but yeah it's been it's been uh, truly a a blessing for the wilson community to be able to watch the team um the last four years and especially with the success of the last two everyone's super pumped super excited uh and um things uh Things went almost as perfect as, as Wilson could go, other than that one minor hiccup the other week against Reading. But I think they'll take the victory in the championship game rather than just the uh, the regular season, uh, the meeting. So there is a chance, though, we'll see that they could meet in the district final for a second straight year. And that would be uh, that would be something. But there's definitely a, a couple teams 
in their way. What do you make of the District 3 playoffs here before we uh, segue into our football talk? What do you think about the District 3 6A uh, basketball? And first, let me just say that the county championship game is going to be tough to top because uh, that was a phenomenal game. Wilson was up 10 at halftime, and then Redding comes roaring back. You knew they were going to make a run at some point. I mean, as competitive as they are, as intense as they are, and they did that in the third quarter, and then Wilson actually got down and ended up winning it by two. Uh, Redding really, really struggled at the free throw line. That was the big story in that game. They missed 14 free throws. And Stevie Mitchell just was not going to let his team lose. To have 35 in a championship game against uh, a program like Redding High with more wins than anyone in the state, more county titles than anyone, more District 3 titles than anyone. You know, It wasn't like this was just some regular season game in December uh, against the non-league uh, opponent. I mean, Mitchell uh, on that stage really came through. What was interesting, Wilson didn't make any jump shots. I was talking to the coaches after the game. Uh, I knew they didn't have any threes, but then they said we didn't make a single jumper, which is really, really odd. But that that was a great game, 55-53, and Mitchell had 35 uh, for the Bulldogs in that one. As far as districts, uh, you're right. They could meet again in the championship game. Last year's district final was uh, an amazing game. Again, Redding got down and then came all the way back, and Wilson was able to uh, hold on. But this year, they are on different sides of the bracket. Redding's the number one seed, so they're up top. Wilson's the two seed, so they're on the bottom half of the 6A bracket. And obviously, big thing this year, only the champion moves on. It's it's not one of those deals where you're going to have five, six, seven teams advancing to the PIAA playoffs. You have to win it or your season is over. Uh, I I think a team to watch is Central Dolphin, who is on the bottom of the bracket. Uh, They are the number three seed. They played Reading in their first game and lost that one. It was an overtime game. Redding actually missed 23 free throws in that game and still was able to beat CD. But as far as talent, you could make the case that Central Dolphin is the most talented team uh, in the bracket. And they had a lot of blowouts on their schedule. And they weren't just beating teams. Uh, They were really running away. Most of their wins are double digits. And they're playing in the the Mid-Penn Commonwealth, which is your bigger schools. Cumberland Valley is a team to watch, uh, and they're the number five seed. So potentially they could play Muhlenberg in Laureldale in the quarterfinals. And Muhlenberg is going to be without a couple of key players, especially Edwin Suarez, their center, who was named All-County today because of the, the transfer rule Uh, He is not allowed to participate in the playoffs. Muhlenberg did appeal that and uh, did not win that appeal. So the mules are going to be shorthanded. I wouldn't be surprised if if Cumberland Valley ends up playing Reading in the semifinals. Although if if Muhlenberg gets hot, and certainly Wilson fans know uh, what what type of team they are. I mean, they gave Wilson a heck of a battle. Aaron Archie and TJ White and company there. But keep an eye on Cumberland Valley. And then on the bottom half 
Wilson Central Dolphin, if that happens, that would be a tremendous semifinal and would be a very difficult game for Wilson. Yeah, and, and Wilson was scheduled to play Central Dolphin, I believe, earlier this year. And I think it was a casualty of, of just all the snow and, and makeup games and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's interesting to look at, you know, just kind of take a step back again to the Berks County. Berks County has three of the top four seeds in 6A, which, which is crazy to think about. And all three of those teams were still playing last year when things got shut down, um, and have not lost a whole lot since, since then. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a great time for Berks County basketball right now. And I'm glad the Bulldogs have been able to to yeah. stake their claim to some of that as well. It, it's been it's been awesome to watch. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. It's been great. And uh, hey, I hope it keeps keeps going. What the championship is Friday the twelfth is yeah, March, like two Friday, weeks. March 12th? Yeah, like two weeks from now. So yeah. hey, if if that game is well, wherever Reading will be playing the game or at Wilson, you know uh-huh. that that's a positive. If it's at Wilson or Wilson playing at Reading's home court. That's great, but yeah, Wilson have to get through a couple games, including a, a, a matchup with Central Dolphin, which is uh, pretty pretty daunting uh, from what we can hear. But any of those top four teams, I think, could uh, could uh, host the uh, yeah. the trophy. So, and it would be Burke's Catholic again if Redding High gets all the way to the final. Okay. Burke's Catholic will be their home court in districts, just like it was in counties, because. Uh, Reading School Board decided no fans could attend at the Geigel. So uh, it will be Burke's Catholic if it is Reading and Wilson in the final. It's also really interesting, just real quick. We we mentioned it, but yeah, um, Lebanon and Hemfield played uh, a close game yesterday right. uh, for the LL Championship. And now they have to turn around and play again in in the winner, your season, you, you know, you win and you're still alive. You lose and you're done. Um, man, like talk about that. That's a tough turnaround. I know we've looked at this from the Wilson Redding standpoint, how they played, um, four times last year and they played three so far this year, you know, like it, it, but to have to turn around and play the team you just beat or just lost to again. And now for your season is on the line. That's, that, that's going to be an interesting matchup, uh, you know, to see who plays at Wilson on, on Friday. Yeah. Well, Crazy, but I am glad we're at this time of year. I'm I'm not super pumped about just the winners advancing, but I understand why they did it. But it, mm. you're going to be missing out on a lot of good teams in the state, state tournament by oh, yeah. just taking the District 3 champ only. But that's where we're at. So uh, that's going to wrap up our, our basketball talk here. We don't talk other sports on the Bulldog Hour often. So this is a this is a, a, a nice diversion here. But uh, congratulations to Coach Colder and the staff. Uh, and the students for winning uh, the uh, boys basketball county championship again, back to back seasons, and yeah. uh, I think it's only the third time it's happened. For for third time for Wilson, for Wilson. yeah. For Wilson, so yeah. Uh, you know, rare rare air. Uh, yeah. you're, you're getting the, to experience uh, some rare feats. So I hope everyone appreciates everything that's gone into it um, from everyone. So uh, before we move on to the football talk, we want to do our little housekeeping stuff here. I want to thank our sponsors here at the Bulldog Hour, May Sandwich Shop. And small player, big play, and uh, there's a there's a, a bunch of ways that you can support us besides uh, uh, hitting up our sponsors. You can sponsor or advertise with us here on the show. We um, we're always looking for uh, 
people to spread the word, you know, like and share the stuff that we post on social media, hit up the website, anything you can do to help us uh, continue to do this and, and cover the, uh, the, uh, the Wilson athletes and the football team um, is very much appreciated. And you can talk to Justin and I about that if you're interested. Our next show will be in just a couple months. We'll do our spring update and bring you everything that has happened since this show surrounding the Wilson football team. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to dive in hopefully, here. Hopefully fewer schedule revisions than yeah. last year. Yeah, last year had a lot of schedule revisions. Right. It wasn't exactly the... Uh, I feel like I feel like the first half of our shows that we did for the entire year ended up having a different schedule than, than the one we had originally come up with. Yes, yes. Which we all understand how, how that ended up happening. But, like, yeah... That would be that would be an awesome step to not have that this year. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to things not changing. <laughs> things have already changed once, some just minor, nothing yeah, yeah, major. Yeah, yeah. And we'll yeah. get to that. We're going to talk about the schedule. Um, but before we do that, uh, Paul, let's just we're going to put one final bow on the 2020 season that saw Wilson go uh, six and one, win the outright uh, Lancaster Lebanon title, which was the first time they were able to do that since 2016. Um, they they did it on the backs of a um, thrilling upset victory at Mannheim Township uh, in the uh, second game of the season coming off of that loss to, to Mifflin, and they wouldn't lose the rest of the way. And we all know how things ended at the end there with the weird uh, playoff stuff in District 3. Uh, but I know you were at a few of the Wilson games. What was your take on the 2020 Bulldog football team? Uh, certainly a rough start when, you know, you go up against a team like Governor Mifflin, but I had been telling a lot of people during the offseason that this was uh, a Mustangs team for the ages, that they were absolutely loaded. And I mean, for a Wilson team to lose at home or anywhere, I mean, it could be Pluto to lose 48-7. I mean, that, that just doesn't happen to the uh, Bulldogs. It it took me back to the Reading High game with James Bryant, which was 44-2, I believe. And what I remember about that one is Al Walski, terrific coach at Reading, then went on to State College and did a great job there. But the opening kickoff went out of bounds, and he declined the penalty, and Wilson kicked it again, and James Bryant returned it for a a touchdown. But uh, you don't see Wilson lose like that. You're right, though, Joe, about that next week – to come back after losing like they did against Mifflin with all the injuries. I mean, they were decimated key players, skill position players. And to go to Mannheim Township and win that game, 31-28, and what they were able to do, you know, running the football in that game uh, was a, an amazing effort. And they, they deserve a lot of credit to be able to, to bounce back after that loss to a rival and beat a you know an, another well coached team that's had a nice run uh, there in Neffsville for Mannheim Township, and then you know beat Penn Manor and beat McCaskey easily, beat Cedar Crest. Uh, I was at the Hempfield game that they won twenty seven to twelve, and then wrapped it up against Mannheim Central, scored forty in that one. Barons were were down this year; it was not a vintage Mannheim Central team, but with everything that happened to end up six and one uh, 45 straight winning seasons. Now it's just remarkable what this program has been able to do. And, uh, you know, coach Doms, I was just looking at his, his coaching record today, 161 and 31 
I mean, that, that is, yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, that's video game stuff. Like you're playing Tecmo Bowl with Bo Jackson or, <laughs> or something. I mean, you, you can't lose. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And I, I think that's a key to why this program has sustained itself since John Gursky took over is the continuity that you have there uh, in the coaching staff and Ernie Walbers, the defensive coordinator, Jeremy Palm, who's the offensive coordinator. They've been there a long, long time. Obviously Doug Doms was an assistant under John Gursky and then the defensive coordinator and now the head coach, but they're always going to be a disciplined, well-coached football team and again, with all the adversity that happened, things that got limited in the offseason, trying to prepare to to go six and one, uh, cer- certainly not the end of the world. No, no, for sure. And everyone, you know, obviously everyone was bummed with the way things ended, but everyone also understood that the circumstances just, you know, were out of anyone's control and were unlike anything we've ever seen. So to go six and one, especially after like you'd mentioned at the beginning with the with the opening loss to Mifflin, things could have really gone off the rails quickly. And and Justin and I did this when we did our end of the season recap, you know, back in November. It's a testament to the coaching staff and, and the players for, for buying in and willing to to do what they needed to do, facing all kinds of adversity. Did it end exactly how they wanted? No, of course not. But it went really, really well. And they accomplished so much and, and winning that outright league title. That's, you know, that's one of the, the biggest things that they wanted and, and they got it. And uh, they put on a show. There are a lot, a lot of great uh, athletes who are on the field on Friday nights again. Uh, some of them will be moving on, but Wilson does have a lot coming back here in uh, 2021. And I have some uh, of the, the, the key guys that, that played last year, some, some starters and contributors. Um, you know, we got to see uh, Gannon Brubaker come in at relief at quarterback, uh, as we mentioned during the Manhattan Township game. He's back, as well as um, the running back backfield of Jaden Jones and Gavin Leonard. But we saw both of them rumble a lot last year. Uh, Paul, you mentioned um, the, the running game at Manhattan Township, and we got to see Jaden put Wilson up early in that one. And uh, he had a phenomenal season. Uh, his brother also, we're going to probably get to see him on offense a little bit more this year. The athlete that is Cam Jones, um, a, a, a performer on the Wilson basketball team right now. Uh, uh, Josh Drake, TJ Flight, Sean Dendel, some receivers coming back. Tight end John Ramsey. And the, the biggest thing that I think Wilson needs to figure out in during this offseason is the linemen, what's going to happen with the linemen. Uh, not a lot of returners on either side of the ball in that capacity. You know, you, you generally want to have uh, three or four, and they uh, they have maybe two on offense in Kyle Hassler and Jack Dendel, both seeing a significant amount of time last year. Defensively on the line, though, I think it's just for the most part, at least when you're talking about starters or significant contributors, Eli Rodriguez, I believe, is the only one really back, at least um, in the same position as before. Thankfully for them, a lot of um, defensive backs and linebackers that saw a lot of time um, are in the mix. So it'll be nice to see where these guys finalize their positions this year, if they uh, shift anyone around. Um, But certainly a lot of talent coming back. And I know the underclassmen, um, both the 2B sophomores and the rising juniors, uh, pretty talented group that has been coming up. So I expect Wilson to be able to reload once again. Um, does anyone jump off the page here to you, Paul, that you want to talk about? Well, you talked about the linemen, and you know, you're know you right about that. It's often overlooked, and I, I've talked about this with you guys 
even when it's the NFL. You know, people look at the skill position players. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that most of us have 18 different fantasy football teams nowadays. <laughs> but when you overlook the linemen, you're making a big mistake. And most head coaches will tell you the game is one up front in the trenches there. If, if you can't block, you know, it doesn't usually matter who the running back is or who the quarterback is. I have yet, and I've covered high school sports in Berks County for over 20 years. I've never seen a quarterback throw well from his rump. Okay. <laughs> if, if you're getting knocked down, if you're on your backside a lot, you're not going to have a, a very good day. And I, I remember the Wilson game at Mannheim Central just a couple years ago and all the pressure that they brought uh, blitzing a Division One quarterback there. And it was a nightmare for him just because he didn't have any time. So a good point by you, Joe, mentioning those linemen. And yeah, I, I was looking at the returning starters today. And yeah, the defensive ends, you lose Capitano, who was a tremendous speed rusher. You know, they had used him in what they call their NASCAR package when they wanted some speed off the edge and in obvious pass situations. You also lose big Jeff Collison, who was, you know, kind of a house in there at defensive tackle, good against the run. So, yeah, they're going to need to replace some key people on both sides of the line. Now, they do have 26 juniors who will be seniors and 25 sophomores who will be juniors. So right there, just those two classes, you're going to have over 50 players. The other thing we have to address is uh, the quarterback position. I mean, that's kind of the elephant in, in the room. And if it was an old school Wilson team with John Gursky or Jerry Slemmer, you'd give the ball to Jaden Jones 30 times and it would be a good Friday night. But uh, that's not how Wilson runs their offense anymore. They, they've been very balanced. I mean, they're going to throw the ball uh, 20, 20 plus times a game. They've been one of the more balanced offenses in, in high school football with when you look at the run pass ratio. I mean, this isn't a wing T or an option, you know, veer midline type of deal when your quarterback may throw the ball five, six times. I mean, that's that's not the way that Wilson's been been doing things. So is it going to be Gannon Brubaker? Uh, is it going to be Nick Krakona who got a little bit of time? Cam Jones was actually listed as a quarterback on their roster last year and did play some coming up. It's funny. I, I knew that I was coming on your show tonight. So uh, after the county final, I, I saw Cam Jones and the Wilson players and their coaches. <laughs> and I, I was asking him, so like, hey, what position are you going to be at? And he wasn't really sure. He, Non-committal. He seemed, yeah, he, he seemed to think that he would be at wide receiver. But – uh, obviously, there's you know, there's a long time from now to a week one, but you know, that that's another spot. Troy Corson is gone, who was an all-state selection and just one of those reliable kids. Certainly, you know, did not have the measurables that a lot of big colleges are are looking for. I mean, they listed him at five ten. I'm not even sure he was he yeah. was that tall, but <laughs> steady player, smart player. So that's their top receiver who who moves on as well. Uh, you know, the linebackers you mentioned, and just looking at, at the returners, I think they're going to be fine there. Uh, up front is a big question mark, and then who the quarterback is going to be. 
but yeah, as you see Jaden Jones, you see Gavin Leonard, who was up around you know 200 pounds last year at, at linebacker. Uh, John Ramsey is a guy who played tight end as well, who was 6'2", 215 a year ago. So that that group uh, looks pretty good. But, you know, there, there are definitely some holes to fill. I mean, th- this isn't one of those Wilson teams where you know all the names. I mean, th- you know, you're, you're going to be seeing some guys out there uh, for the first time that are going to have to step up. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, that's the, the beauty that Justin and I like to talk about every year is it, I kind of like um, the teams that fly under the radar and maybe don't have those big names. Um, everyone, I mean, the biggest one's going to be everyone's going to focus on, on Jaden as the, the big running back with what he's able to do last year, a two-way starter. He was making his name for himself for a while. So he he's a big name. And um, I think people are really going to hear uh, his brother's name a lot. Cam, you didn't hear Cam last year because he was so good at what he did on defense defense that they never called his name and he was a sophomore shutting down everything thrown his way so um what the jones brothers do this year is going to be um uh, one of the highlights but it is interesting um to to uh wonder about what's going to happen with a quarterback with so many uh, names in the hat you know gannon's going to be the senior and he's going to uh get that first shot he's the guy that they turned to when caleb went down um, but you mentioned uh, Krakona, we got donato uh, and then there's uh, the sophomore quarterbacks, primarily um, Woods, I know, is a is a, a big up-and-comer. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what, what happens with that, Where uh, what direction Coach Doms and uh, offense coordinator Jeremy Palm, um, what they settle there. Um, but, you know, super early, have no idea what, what the, uh, what the uh, idea or plan is at that part. But um, those are the names. That's what we'll be watching and maybe uh, – in two months, when Justin and I are back, we'll have a little bit more information of the way uh, things are going, although I'd expect it to uh, last say, well into the summer. I was going to say, I feel like that's a question that we often are asking Doug at, when we interview him in August, and, and he's still usually noncommittal. Like, so. And don't forget the kicker, too. I mean, you. Oh, you oh yeah, we a, didn't mention Jack. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, Jack Wagner at, at kick, who, who, you know, looked like uh, an inside linebacker, but yeah, that was, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that, that's something that is also, you know, I don't think people realize how important that is when you force a team to go 80 yards and Wilson's always had really good defenses, you know, now with uh, Ernie's been the defensive coordinator over 20 years and then uh, Doug Doms before him, you know, to take that return game out of the equation, because we know in high school, most teams are going to put their best skill guys back there. So now you're kicking to them with an open field. Right. I mean, that that's a dangerous situation. If you can eliminate that plus, you know, there, there are teams, I'll I'll never forget the, the state final that why I'm missing one and look at the kicking game there comparing why I'm missing to Alec Quippa who couldn't even attempt a field goal. And, you know, you get in close games to have a kicker who can make a 30, 35, 40, sometimes 45 yarder. Um, you know, it's very important. And, and Wagner was really good. Oh, yeah, really, really good. He was he was so incredibly reliable and field position is the name of the game. And he certainly uh, did, did uh, well for Wilson over the last few years. But uh, Jordan Shutter has been with the team two years now, ready to step in. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how he's able to perform, yeah. perform here as a as a junior in 2021, and 
hey, we'll see what where the guys got to step up. So That's underclassmen, right. seniors, first year starters, doesn't matter. Um, we'll see what happens. And a few of these guys have been leading the way. And I was uh, uh, let known about a new award that Wilson introduced this year that has been put out there um, by the uh, coaching staff as as voted on by teammates. And it is called the Lead Dog Award. It's new in 2021. Uh, the team has given out four awards so far. And it's uh, for, um, you know, premier commitment to uh, the, the teammates, um, and work ethic, work in the classroom, you know, being a good teammate, community service, everything thrown at it. Uh, every few weeks, the team gets together and, and you know, singles out someone who's been uh, the guy, the lead dog. And uh, with, like I said, four so far this year. Um, first one was 2B senior, the rising senior running back linebacker, Jaden Jones. Up next was 2B senior tight end linebacker John Ramsey. Then was the 2B junior running back linebacker Kyle Troutman. And most recently was 2B junior, we'll call him offensive weapon or the athlete designation, but a stellar defensive back, Cam Jones. So four of them have been singled out by their teammates for being the lead dog so far as we race towards the 2021 season. So we wanted to make sure we recognize them here on the show and also want to thank the presenting sponsors of this award this year, which is Phil and Joe from Remax of Reading and Time to Rise Fitness. So we appreciate their support of the Wilson football program and presenting the 2021 Lead Dog Award. Again, this is kind of just at the disposal um, of the uh, the coaching staff and the, uh, the students. So when they think someone uh, has stepped up... Uh, they present this award. So four already on the board in 2021. It's nice to see, you know, you kind of expect the guys that are entering their senior season to be among them, but it's nice to see two juniors or two B juniors get recognized with that group as well. So congratulations to Jaden, John, Kyle, and Cam on their work this off season, heading towards the 2021 season. And speaking of which we talked about some of the players, let's take a look at the schedule that the 2021 team is going to tackle it starts Monday, August 9th, when Heat Week opens. As long as there's no changes, Heat Week will start August 9th with so, your three-day camp on August 16th, a week later. And that Saturday is the schedule change that I mentioned. Wilson will now host Coatesville for their scrimmage. You know, last year things were a mess for a variety of reasons. Even before uh, COVID, there was uh, Parkland was off. They were going to work with Phillipsburg from New Jersey, then that had to change. And here we are now. Wilson will host Coatesville for their scrimmage on Saturday, August 21st. And then the countdown to kickoff really begins with hosting the Central Dolphin Rams to kick off the 2021 season on Friday, August 27th. So, Paul, hopefully you can see it on your screen there. That is Wilson's 2021 schedule. What are your takeaways from what the Bulldogs will face this year? Well, I, I love the, the non-league schedule right off the bat. Uh, the coaches may not because <laughs> they may get some more gray hairs, but for fans, I mean, if you're looking at that and seeing CD, Mifflin, Exeter, you know, to get uh, Central Dolphin, which is uh, District 3 power, to get Governor Mifflin, which is your big rival, with Nick Singleton back for his senior year, uh, who I, I mentioned uh, on on my Twitter feed, 
<laughs> I don't often get distracted during a county championship basketball game, but I got a, a DM from Nick Singleton Friday during the boys final that Alabama had just offered. And that's one that, you know, makes you take a step back for a second. So uh, he's one of the best running backs in his class. He's been leading the county and, and rushing uh, Penn state, Ohio state, Notre Dame. If I was handicapping the field, I would probably put those three at the top. Now that that's before Alabama, you know, came knocking at his tour there uh, over in, in Shillington, but uh, to see Governor Mifflin there right after CD and then Exeter has some really good players. Uh, J.R. Strauss is going to be a division one player. He already has multiple offers. Joey Schwaffer played hoops for uh, Exeter this past season, but he's about six, six uh, play some wide receiver for them. A uh, Yoakum is back. It seems like they've had a Yoakum at Exeter for about the past 20 years. Yeah. Every uh, year. You know, they're tough, hard-nosed football players. Uh, he's a he's a real good linebacker, a tackling machine. They've had a good run of quarterbacks there. And, you know, I just think when you can get two Burks teams going head-to-head, there's just going to be more fan interest as opposed to, you know, maybe playing a team from, you know, out, outside of the air, maybe York County or, or something like that. Uh, Mannheim Central, you see on there again, and then obviously you start getting into league play. Mannheim Township will be coming to West Lawn uh, this season, but I mean that that is a, a phenomenal schedule. I mean that, and you have uh, Martin Luther King in there from Philadelphia. So yeah, I mean that <laughs> that that is a tremendous schedule and. Uh, once again, Wilson is is going to have its its work cut out. But I've always felt like you don't improve when you beat teams by four or five touchdowns. You know, mercy rule games, you know, forty eight to nothing. That doesn't do anybody any good. And if you do want to get ready for the postseason, you have to play tough games in the regular season. I, I was actually talking with Matt Coldren about that this year, that some of those games they lost like central dolphin, for example, he, he thought it, it, it hurt them a little bit going into the County playoffs, you know, that Muhlenberg game in the semi, certainly the Reading game, because they really hadn't been in a whole lot of nail biters in the fourth quarter. So I, I tip my cap to schools and athletic directors that are willing to go out and play people. And certainly Wilson uh, hasn't ever looked to dodge people there, but yeah, that that's a very impressive schedule. Yeah. I really like the schedule. I think it shapes up well. I think you've got a a really good mix of top tier teams of very talented teams, uh, local teams, and and then, and your league teams thrown in there. And I think the way the home and away splits work, I think it's great for Wilson. You're hosting central dolphin. Sure. You got to go two in a row, but it's at Mifflin and Exeter, you know, local schools, you're hosting Martin Luther King instead of going there. You get Mannheim Central at home. You got to go to Millersville, but Justin, I like eating at the Sugar Bowl, so we're okay with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. Paul, two years ago, 
we ate there before and after the game. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Really? For yes. sure, yeah. It's great. You know, college, wow. college, little, little, little food place on the college campus. Gotta love that. So, uh, And you get township at home. You gotta go to Crest and Hempfield back-to-back and um, you know, I don't know what to make about Crest this year, but I think Hempfield's going to be pretty strong. And we'll get pizza after Hempfield. That's right. So. We, we, we got all of our food spots mapped <laughs> out. So, uh, you know, Paul, if you're ever at one of these away games, you got to hit us up afterwards. We'll go grab a slice or something. So, um, but yeah, no, the 21 21 schedule is great. Um, I, I, it's shaping up to be a, another phenomenal year in West Lawn and, uh, and hopefully beyond. And, you know, unless the District 3 or PAAA throws a wrench into uh, the, uh, the playoffs, uh, I think it's pretty straightforward. So very much looking forward um, to what is to come in 2021. Um, real quickly, before we touch on some of your um, Wilson games, Paul, is there anything that you want to say about the pending Burks LL merger? Um, you know, is it something you're for? Or are you interested in that? Do you like that it's happening? Again, that's not happening until 2022. But while we got you here, what's your take on it? Oh, I think it's absolutely a, a positive for the Burks Football League. I mean, you know, let's face it, you had two sections there, and one of the sections only had six teams. So now, if you're an athletic director, you have to find five non-league games. And I don't know if fans realize how difficult that is to try and find five non-league games. Plus, th- there were a lot of issues as far as competitive balance, especially when both Burke's Catholic and why missing were down in section two, you had some games there that you, you knew going in were mercy rule games. And you know, what, what good does it do a team when your starters are playing a quarter, you know, things, things like that. So uh, now Burke's Catholic obviously has moved up to section one, but I, I think it's, it's something that needed to happen. I don't know if the feeling was completely mutual with the uh, Lancaster Lebanon League. I know there were some schools that did not want that uh, to happen. And, and let's face it, in our area, sometimes people don't like change just because it's it's change. <laughs> you know, true uh, words it, have never been said, e- even if yeah. it's good. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, you yeah. know, I think sometimes you could go up to someone in in Berks County or Lancaster County and say, "Hey." Here's a hundred bucks on the house, and they'd say only a hundred, you know, or, or, or can I have that in five twenties or ten tens, you know, as opposed to hundred, you know, it's just uh, it, sometimes we're very reluctant to. I still remember all the discussion about Santander Arena when when that was coming into Reading and all the people that were uh, against that. And then you look back, look back at the big name concerts, you know bands comedians you've had a hockey team you had an indoor football team there i mean it's uh, it's unbelievable but I, it, it's a positive it's going to be good i think for the smaller schools in berks county and you know you're at, you have five sections 37 teams it's a monster league uh, i don't think a lot's going to change for wilson but section two governor mifflin exeter Mannheim central Warwick are all in section two <laughs> and then section four will have why missing Burke's Catholic Conrad Weiser LS Cocalico. I mean, section two and section four are loaded. So it's, it's good. I'm about competition. I'm about 
seeing, you know, good football games. I'm always trying to stay objective. And I I do think that that expansion, this super league that's been created, uh, I think it's a real plus. And then you're going to have some of those smaller schools that will get to play other schools their size and have a better chance of, of right. winning games. Yeah, like Kutztown and Columbia. Like, yeah, like yeah. I, Justin and I love talking about Columbia, and we would love to go see a game. But it's nice that those smaller schools will get to play teams that are of similar size. I, I think the equity there cannot be overstated and right. overlooked. Justin and I have been on board that, you know, this came out, what, three years ago? Was it January? Right, like, like started floating around there. or something that started floating out there. Uh, we're just glad that it's finally on the horizon. You know, we're just we're only a year away, so I'm very excited about that. Um, and let me let me add, and I I reported on this at the time. That final vote got very interesting, and I I know there was some work done behind the scenes to make sure that some of the LL athletic directors uh, were on board with this because. Uh, I think some assumed that it was going to pass no problem. And I will tell you, the days leading up to that, there were some very nervous people in Berks County that were not sure if that thing was going to get done. Talking about other athletic directors and and people associated with the BCIAA. Uh, but the good news is it, it did get approved. It's interesting you talk about that too, because Joey and I, bring this up all the time whenever there's an ll issue like a couple years ago when they added in the the crossover game and stuff like that wilson gets informed about these things they don't like they don't get a vote and we talk about that all the time how like we are really just kind of like we're there for the football games like that's pretty much what wilson is there for and they get in in that regard get treated as such in terms of they're they're told like this is how it's going to be so it's funny because like yeah, this, this merger between Burks and LL and Wilson sitting there really without a real say in it at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, e- even the name. I I know I know some right. some, some right. people in Burks County wanted it to be the LL Burks League, and the, the <laughs> LL folks no wanted no part of that. Um, yes, in fact, I I was. I'm not going to tell you who told me, but there were there were some people that were kind of, you know, um, trying to influence me to throw out that LL Burke's name a little bit more often, just to see if it would stick uh, a little bit with the following that I have on social media. But uh, you know, you're right. It's 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 you know they're going to view these Burke schools as. Uh, associate members right. and, and i hope i hope it goes well though like i and i know yeah. we talked about scheduling nightmares for some burke schools but i know for some lancaster schools it was or, well in lebanon schools but there's more in lancaster but like it, it was those were going to become issues as well like eventually like it, it becomes difficult yeah and so i feel like this is an opportunity to help a lot of different schools with that and um you know, because people are like, oh, you're going to be traveling so far to some of these games. Look at some of these non-league games that teams are scheduling, like, or having to schedule. Like, it's not, you know, when if Wilson has to go to York or if somebody's coming up here, or, you know, down towards Philly or any of that stuff, like, it happens all the time. Yeah, well, I mean. Plus, w- Wilson's section isn't really changing. Right, exactly. Wilson. You, know, you have Reading back in there, but th- that they used to be part of of the you know ll league in right. fact you know those were some great years when when reading was very good so but the other teams aren't aren't changing right 
So let's throw it back to like when Reading was in the LL League. Let's talk to Paul about some of his uh, memorable games. You know, you you mentioned you know you've been covering Berks County sports for over twenty years. Uh, you have been had you know intimate um, relationship with the football team from a broadcasting standpoint. You've covered a lot of Wilson football games, and one of my favorite things that I did um, a little over a year ago was I did a decade recap looking back at all the uh, football games from the 2010s, uh, which thankfully I had been at most of them. So I got to see a lot of really good games, exciting games, a couple of heartbreakers, um, but you know, you have even more exposure to, to the team, and I wanted to just kind of talk to you about some of your favorite or your most memorable. Uh, you threw a few, uh, three at me. Um, that we'll get to a little bit more in depth, but if there are just a couple you want to rattle off before we dive into those three, um, just uh, anything that sticks out, a, a specific game, an ending, or a performance, um, you know, from the last 20 plus years? Um, you know, there, there there have been so many because Wilson's had so much success over the years, but we can get into the 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 ones that I, I mentioned to you, Joe. And I I'll say this: I I went to Syracuse from 1995 to 99, so I, I started in radio in the spring of 1999, and that year was when a guy by the name of Jeff Smoker was at Mannheim Central, and I, I will never forget the the crowd. That was at that game. I, I think it was around 9,000. That that number comes to mind. But for people who know Mannheim Central's program, you know, for a 7 o'clock kickoff, they're there around 11 a.m. I mean, I mean, they, you know, they like to get their blankets down. And, and I mean, they're an early arriving crowd. So it was just a, a sea of humanity at, at Gursky Stadium. Jeff knew was a big-time Division One quarterback. And they were ranked in USA Today's top 25. I'm not talking about a state poll. I'm talking about a national poll. And Pete Gilmore that night, I, th- I think he had about 65 carries. I believe he ran for 300 yards in that game. 303. And, okay, there you go. Do you guys remember the carries? Um, I have the I – ha- I can pull it up. Yeah, it was, it was a, a lot of carries, but – and that's that was back in the days when they had the bigger shoulder pads too, uh, and, and Pete, of course, was was terrific. And you know, one of the all timers to play for Wilson, and they've had so many good running backs over the years. But Wilson actually was in control, and then I think Mannheim Central recovered an onside kick late in that game and scored. I remember it got very interesting uh, late in the fourth quarter, but Wilson was able to upset them. But that. That game really stood out to me. And Smoke, I've always said the two best high school quarterbacks I've ever seen were Jeff Smoker and Chad Henney. I mean, not only did they have the physical tools, but total command of the offenses they ran. I mean, they basically could could run, call, could call the plays themselves, rocket arms. I mean, they they looked like major division one quarterbacks so he had 43 carries for 303 yards. <laughs> 43 carries in a high school football game is an insane number though that yeah. that's nuts 
Yeah, so I actually have the um, the clippings up I, uh, on BulldogHour.com. I have the history and heritage portion, um, and I went through and did all the 90s first because those are the teams that I watched growing up, and then at the tail end, you know, I, I, I was in on those 2000 teams. So the 99 and early 2000s were, were the 90s and early 2000s are the ones that I focused on when I started clipping all the articles and recapping the seasons, and 99 is one I vividly remember, um, and thankfully with... Uh, access to the game tape so we can watch the little film here while we're uh, discussing the the game against Manheim Central. And it's funny, Paul, when you mentioned that this was one that you wanted to um, single out, um, one I didn't realize it was from, was this your first year then broadcasting? uh, Right, right. The games. Right. And well, at that point, because it was just my first year, I was kind of the, the third member of the broadcasting team. So sometimes I would go to the marquee game and I would keep stats and then I would come on at halftime and post game and kind of go over the numbers and do a little recap of that. And then other times, if there was another huge game that night, then I would be sent there and I would phone in reports uh, from that game while we had the other game on the air. But this was one I got to attend. And man, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful that I did because I, ju- I just remember all that hype about well, Mannheim Central's, you know, people know about their program, but to have a quarterback like Jeff Smoker and uh, they, they hey, have all those no fans. Tony Cipolla. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the the best thing when you picked out this one, though, is one, I remember this game. This is one of the best games that, I, that I've seen. It was so entertaining. Uh, there, the newspaper says 8,000 people, so you were right there on the number. Um this being one of the first ones that you got to do, that's awesome. But Justin actually has a memory from this game, and he didn't even live in West Lawn at the time. Yeah, so this was actually a few months before my dad found out we were, like, his job was moving to the area. But my dad went to Wilson, and so um, my grandfather um, had tickets, you know. And so um, friends, like, friends of ours, when I say friends of ours, I mean, like, our closest friends from when we lived in, in Columbia. They lived in, well... They lived closer to a bunch of high schools, but the way the district runs along, you know, the way the creek runs, they went to Mannheim Central. And so they're, you know, they're friend, they went to Mannheim Central. So they come up and they go to the game and they sit there. And I remember my dad telling me about this amazing game. And I wouldn't remember because like growing up in Columbia, like it was a huge game when we play Lancaster Catholic and there might be a thousand, you know, 1500 people there, but that's like half the town, you know, like, so there it, it goes. It, it's one of those things where, I remember my dad telling me one about the crowd, two about the game and just unbelievable. And then like a few months later, find out, Oh, we're moving there. Um, it was, but I, I'll never forget him telling me about that game. Cause like, even at the time, like I knew about Wilson and stuff, but like, you know, it wasn't, wasn't on my radar. I didn't, I didn't think we were moving here yet. <laughs> but, um, man, How about Pete lowering the boom yeah. there we, uh, on some of those runs, watching I mean, and, these highlights. Whew. Yeah. I mean, you saw they, they went double tight a lot of times there and just really ran it right down their throat. I mean, and I've never seen a fan base cheer louder for a five yard carry than the fans at Wilson. I mean, they, they just live for, you know, when, when you're just ground and pound style of football. Yeah, it, 
I love watching this. I could watch this entire game, but there are plenty of other ones to talk about, Paul. Um, and I'm, I'm going to put the blame on, on you for this one that we have to talk about a loss because um, that's not something that Justin and I generally do here on the show. We, we don't uh, talk about them all that often. Um, and actually, I won't have much to say about this because this happened during a season that oh, I was not in Pennsylvania. So um, you and Justin are going to handle this one. And I'm sorry to... Um, bring this up and, and scratch it old scabs for those watching us live right now. But uh, um, the next one that Paul wanted to talk about was the 2008 Western Final against Bethel Park. Three overtime loss, 38-35. Uh, Justin and I talked on the phone during out during this game as he was updating me. Uh, he was a newbie teacher in the district at yeah, the time. Yeah, like and, three months in. And I would, lived in Indiana, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, Paul, what do you remember about this, uh, heartbreaking defeat as the, uh, newspaper says? Yeah, I, I remember it was freezing cold and I was very fortunate that I was doing radio because we had to be inside the press box. The press box then at state college was, was not very accommodating and all the newspaper people had to be outside. And, uh, so I was lucky to be inside, but heartbreaking. I mean, that's, if you want to sum it up in one word, that's it. Because uh, that Wilson team, I really thought of all the ones that I've covered, uh, that 2008 team, I thought had the best chance to win a state championship. And uh, obviously we, we know uh, the Kerry Collins team that got to the final uh, with uh, Upper St. Clair and ended up losing. But post that, uh, th- this team, that defense, and I-, I talked to Doug Doms a lot that season because we were do- we were broadcasting a lot of those games, and uh, he said he thought this was the best defense that Wilson's ever had, which is saying a lot because some of those teams late seventies, early eighties. If you go back and look at their points allowed, it- it's unreal. But uh, I'll never forget this defense. Uh, Big Rodney Hill, who uh, I know you guys have talked to. Uh, he was in their defensive tackle. They had John Wagner. Uh, Tyler Beck was on that team. Uh, Colton Weaver was in there. Jordan Holbert, who was a, a undersized linebacker. Firecracker. Was, yeah, all over the field. I mean, nobody ran against that team. Nobody. I mean, it was almost futile even yeah. trying to run. Uh, they, they were uh, – that front eight was loaded. Pat, and then Pat Zerby Michael, and Patrick O'Brien. Pat Zerby, yep. Uh, and then in the back end there, you had O'Brien and Fegley were in the, the secondary. But even Bethel Park, they, they averaged about a yard per carry in that game. Uh, they couldn't run it. But a couple of things that stood out, the penalties in that game. Oh, boy. I mean, they were double-digit penalties against Wilson, over 115 penalty yards in that game. And then Wilson also turned it over three times. Uh, in that game. And I don't think Bethel Park had any turnovers that day. So when you're minus three in turnover margin, usually it's not even close. And this one went to three overtimes. I thought Wilson was the better team, but Bethel Park was scrappy. I mean, they, they were a blue collar, they were a feisty team and they really had a lot of success through the air that they, they threw the ball a lot that game. Uh, but I, I thought that year, Wilson, I, the district final that year against Cumberland Valley, I think it was 35 to seven. I mean, it, it was it was a massacre yeah. against Cumberland Valley, who's 
one of the best programs in in the state. That so. was actually the I was that was Thanksgiving weekend, I believe. That was I was home. I actually got to see that game. Justin had been telling me all year how good this team was. Um, right, and I was I felt like oh no, like am I just building this up? Because like Joey mentioned on when we were discussing the last game, like I I knew of those teams again because of the, like the early '90s teams and stuff. Because my dad had grown up here and I had cousins that went here, so like I knew about them. But that was not, I, I didn't live here at that time. So I didn't know it. And it was before my time, I didn't know the late 70s, early 80s teams. And honestly, at that point, I didn't even really know the history of it at that point. And I kept telling Joey, I'm like, this is the best high school team I've ever seen, like personally. And like, I still tell Joey to this day, of, of the teams that I saw at Wilson, and I can't, because I can't speak to those other teams, but like, they're the best Wilson team I've ever seen. And it was like, like you mentioned it, just the, the number of guys that were studs on that team. That would have been the best player on a lot of teams. They played that, that year. It's just un, unbelievable. And it was a heartbreaking way for it to go out because like you mentioned, there were just so many things. And it's one of those where if you lose and you played your best, like that, that's frustrating, but you can take, you, you know, right. But exactly like right. you left that game thinking, you know, and obviously I'm biased, but I left that game knowing that Wilson was the better team, but just couldn't get it done that day for a whole confluence of reasons. And that, that was a heartbreaker. And then to see the next week, the way the game unfolds. And I know that's not how it works in sports, but to watch how it unfolds in the state championship, and you're like, that should have been Wilson. Like Wilson should have won that game, but yeah, Bethlehem Liberty, I believe beat Bethel Park yes. in the yeah. state championship. So well, Paul, that, thanks that for that one. That, that was, well, I'll end on a positive. That was like the 85 <laughs> Bears of high school football. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that defense was, I mean, I don't, as good as Wilson's program is, I don't know that we'll ever see a defense like like that team. I mean, they just, they totally dominated. You had Huber at, at quarterback and Groff at, at running back, but that defense put the offense in so many good positions, field position-wise, just because nobody could move the ball on them. Yeah, I, I know for certain. I mean, I got to see what they did to Cumberland Valley, which was just mind blowing. It was it was fun. I'm glad I got to see play one of their games and one of the you know the highlights of the season, the district championship game. That was amazing. Uh, I, when Justin and I started the, restarted the Bulldog Hour back in 2015, uh, of course we got to talk to uh, Coach Ernie Wolber, and one of the questions you know we wanted to talk about a historical perspective, um, and we asked him about you know what's the what's the best wilson team who is the you know and he, obviously he wants to talk about defense um and you know he talked about those teams in the late 70s that he was a part of uh how incredible they are statistically speaking it would be hard to ever match but he always mentions that 2018 because of how cerebral they were yeah they were studs they were athletic but they were so smart they could call out a defense that they put in back in week you know two or three during the playoffs and the guys could do it without having practiced it for, you know, eight weeks. Yeah. He kept, he told us how they kept installing new stuff just to keep them on their toes because they, they just gobbled up everything that they threw at them. They, they just, they were ready for it. It was un, unreal. He said, you don't see that. And you certainly don't see it at high school football very often. And um, it's just a testament to that team. So let's uh let's end on a high note here, Paul. You brought up one more game here. It's a recent one, uh, which I love. It also um, has a very cool story between Justin and I. Um, it is uh, Wilson's most recent uh, 
district championship in 2016. Um, and I bring it up just because a uh, fun little story. Obviously, this made my uh, top 10 greatest games of the decade uh, because of the uh, second half comeback, which uh, Justin called at halftime of the game. He comes wow. down and, uh, you know, we're talking, you know, we're not feeling too great. It's what, 14 nothing at halftime, right? It was 14 nothing. Like I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 14 yeah, nothing at halftime. Yeah. And, you know, we're just kind of like, oh, man, this isn't going our way. Um, but he just looks at me. He's just like, all right, just talk, figure out who you want to interview when the game's over. And obviously, we only talk to the coaches and players if they win. And Justin's like, no, just figure out who you want to talk to. The look Joey gave me when I said that was like, are you like, He's like, okay, yeah, right. You know, like, but I, I, don't, I don't know what it was. I just, I had a feeling. I had a feeling we were close. And, uh, well, he was. And, Paul, you were there uh, to call this one. So what did you make of that 2016 uh, district championship, the first ever in 6A? And if you guys were live betting on FanDuel back then, you could have made a because I'm sure Wilson was a big dog at halftime there. Would have been a good opportunity. But, uh, yeah, I remember them being down 14 nothing, and then the second half they completely dominated. And, again, I have a lot of respect for the, the Cumberland Valley program with the coaches that, that they've had over the years. And certainly people remember the name John Ritchie. Uh, at fullback for for those teams and and Wilson, you know, getting back to the coaches, Wilson made a key adjustment. I don't know if it was before the half, but certainly by halftime. In that Cumberland Valley, even though they're a big school, they they're wing T offense, and there's they were really hurting Wilson with sweeps. And there was a corner who I won't mention his name, but he was not coming up properly to play the edge. And that that was something that they had to adjust to fix that. And then once they did that, second half, your 50 total yards in the second half. And Iggy Reynosa, who was, you know, uh, just just looked like uh, a bodybuilder. I mean, just, you know, chiseled, looked like a, a statue. He was running over people. It looked like, you know, Pete Gilmore in some of those clips that we saw against Mannheim Central in 99, Iggy finished with over 200 rushing yards. And I think something like 150 came in the second half, had a couple of touchdowns. Connor Urig played a, a gutsy game at quarterback. He had a, a rushing touchdown. And then he had a pass to Fode Jallo right by the pylon. Uh, that was a great throw and catch for another score. But again, it was kind of a throwback Wilson game where they couldn't handle Reynoso. I mean, he just, he would not be denied and he, he was so strong and, you know, became Berks County's all time leading rusher, but to come back 14 zip and win it 28, 14, uh, just a tremendous game for Wilson. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, when we win titles, I'm happy about that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that was a great, great one. I love, I love being at Hershey. I miss being at Hershey. So, I, uh, that that one's all one we'll always remember. And, and and to this point, the only place we've had difficult getting in. Yeah, right? the only time anyone's ever given us flack about trying to get get into the stadium. So, yeah, um, they 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 have about. 2500 security (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh man that's that's a fun that's a fun story but yeah um yeah so wilson winning the 2016 district title one of paul's uh call outs here from his uh journalism career so um anything else off the top of your head paul that you want to mention um from your coverage you know since we talked about the realignment and mentioned reading being back in 
you know, the, I still say the glory years at the Lancaster Lebanon league were when you had Wilson, obviously, but you know, Redding had the Bryant brothers, uh, Sam went to Pitt, and obviously uh, James, who initially went to to Miami. You had Khalees Cook, uh, Jason Paulson on those teams. Al Walski as as the head coach. You had Wilson with Chad Henney. We know about him. Uh, McCaskey had Perry Patterson, who went up to to Syracuse to play. They also had uh, a running back Lee, who went to I think Delaware, and then they had a receiver Melendez. Danny Melendez, yeah, went to Maryland. So I mean, and Cedar Crest had Brandon Kirsch and Jaron Hayes. Uh, Hayes went to Michigan State, and Kirsch, who was the quarterback, went to Purdue. I mean, th- those games that those league games in the L. I mean, they were just wars. I mean, th- those were like playoff games but it was every Friday night because it was league play so you know those years and I don't want to bring up a loss but the district final was Central Dolphin when you had Jim I'm gonna have to just turn you off right now Paul (laughs) and George Chomp I mean that you know how Wilson almost came back in that game but see I'm a fan of close games and you know that that's people would always ask me like who are you rooting for and I always say close game, you know, because people aren't listening if it's 48 to nothing. <laughs> I know from your perspective, you hope Wilson If Wilson's up 48 nothing, I'm yeah. definitely listening. Too, so. yeah. yeah. And it can be 63-2 and Joe's upset because they gave up a save. So he would. He would be, he would be furious not, over no, that. But see, the, I, the players and coach, the, the players are going to be upset too because they're not getting the pizza. So, like, you don't get the shutout, you're not getting the food. So anytime yeah. that there's a garbage you know, safety or a field goal or a late yeah. score, you know, it's, it's Joe, disappointing. And, and Joe loves talking about that CD game. I swear. <laughs> yeah, see, Paul, I mean, you're just, you're bringing up, Justin and I talk about that's what we consider, you know, the, the heyday because – well, we were both in school, and I was playing during those those teams. I know very, very much about all of those things that you just <laughs> mentioned. Um, well, here's here's one last one on a bright spot, and I, I don't remember all the details of this. I just I believe it was Josh Smith in the second half had a bunch. This I I think it was a playoff game against another LL McCaskey. Team. Is this the McCaskey McCas- one? Yes. And di- didn't Josh Smith have like two or three touchdown catches in that game? Yeah, w- well, Wilson was down by like twenty eight or something like yes. that. Yeah, yes. And I I remember him having this huge game. And then I re- I've had I've had a lot of memorable interviews with Jim Cantafio. I mean, if you, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> I mean, talk talk about a great quote. I mean, you know that I I didn't have to do any work there. Just you know. <laughs> spit something out and you'd get a great answer. But I remember him raving about every school in the country should be recruiting Josh Smith. And I still often wonder what would have happened if Josh, you know, would have focused on football. He, he went to Pitt uh, to play baseball. He was a great baseball player for Wilson and, and the West Lawn Owls. And then eventually went to Kutztown and had a terrific, he was like, you know, the Chris Carter of Kutztown. All he did was catch touchdowns. I think he had 10 or 11 touchdown catches Wow. Uh, and the you know, PSAC is good football, but that game against McCaskey where they came back, I mean, that, that was a, that was a thrilling game. Yeah. And that's, again, that's in the, the time period where I was either at Penn state or in Indiana. Yeah, that was that. So all of my familiarity with that is from the research I've done since I've moved back to the area, but that I, I, once you started talking about it, that popped that was that, 
would that have been 07 then? Yeah, because that was before I was teaching at Wilson, but I was back in the area, okay, I think. Yeah. So. so, yeah, I think the fall, fall of 07, I think it pretty sure it was against McCaskey. Wilson was down big and came back, and Josh Smith mm-hmm. had a monster second half um, receiving. So, yeah. Well, Paul, this has been great. A lot of fun. I'm glad we were able to get you on the uh, – the, the school sports show, the, the scholastic show instead of the, the pro sports, because I know the three of us, um, bread and butter is, uh, you know, for us, Wilson sports for you, all of Berks County. Uh, and, uh, we definitely appreciate you not only taking the time here this evening to talk with us, but for everything that you do coverage wise, because it's great to see all the little, uh, the tips and, uh, the news and especially the breaking oh, news, yeah. <laughs> everything that you put out there, um, that I'm, uh, quickly to usually retweet to make sure everyone sees, um, we really appreciate your coverage and dedication to the uh, student athletes in Berks County. And hopefully someday soon I'll actually get paid again to do it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I mean, the relationships uh, I have with uh, a lot of these coaches, particularly football and basketball and also baseball as well. I mean, you know, it, it's it's great. So I'm I enjoy being around the the game, and I, I'm I'm glad that I've still been able to to cover these teams, and you know, to see somebody like Stevie Mitchell. You know, you, you mentioned those back to back championships. The other times they did it were Chris Finch, who you know we have to give a shout out to him now, Absolutely. NBA head coach, and then of course Shane Stafford, who's you know, one of the best athletes that Wilson's ever had when you look at basketball and uh, certainly football as well could have played either sport in in college ended up going to UConn but and now you have Stevie Mitchell so I mean those those are three of the best but it's great seeing that old footage there those those games and uh, Wilson fans I know I've said it to you guys before but they're very fortunate to have you guys doing shows like this and everything you do on social media to uh, promote the kids. It do, it doesn't happen at uh, a, a whole lot of the schools the way you guys are are able to do it. And thanks for having me on again. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I thanks, Paul. The kind words. Appreciate you joining us. And um, we'll have to we'll get you on again sometime soon to talk uh, something. I don't know. We always enjoy talking to you and uh, and, and letting other people uh, hear what you have to say. So we really and appreciate let me it. say this real quick. You might want to have me on in the spring for baseball because this Wilson baseball team, we talked about that 2008 football team. These guys are loaded like me on my 21st birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they, they it, uh, you may see some crooked numbers this year. It's a shame they didn't get to play last year, but now you have Livingston in the mix who was at Mifflin and a lot of people haven't seen him play. He's built like a football player. You still have Luke Holman there. I, I got to see them play a little bit uh, during the games that were out at first energy stadium, which was great that, you know, Scott Hunsiger and Matt Hoffmaster and their staff allowed the kids to play there. This Wilson baseball team is loaded. I think it could be one of the best in Berks County high school baseball history. That's how good we uh, looking at their potential lineup, the depth they have in starting. Bill Underwood, who's a friend of mine, he has his work cut out because I don't know how he's going to get everybody enough innings. They have, <laughs> they have so many good pitchers on that team. Um, it is, it's going to be a, a fun uh, spring uh, for that baseball team. Well, that's awesome. I just actually just went through today through the, the Wilson uh, spring sports schedule to see where I could uh, get to some of these games to um, – 
report on and, and take pictures. Uh, and I was adding the uh, baseball, softball, boys and girls lacrosse, and um, definitely have a lot of the baseball games on my schedule. So uh, uh, I'm sure I'll see you around the stadium then. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be a fun fun team to watch. And baseball, maybe it's because of the game times. It's kind of tough for fans and parents to get there. But I'm I'm telling you, and if you guys know me and the people that have listened to me over the years, I'm I'm usually more of a skeptic than one of these people that says, "Well, this this is going to be the best ever." And you know, usually I need to see it to believe it. But I'm <laughs> mark my words. Uh, they have the potential not just for you know county and district three championships, but they they have the potential to win a state championship this year. And you you know I I don't I don't say that lightly. Well, good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, I knew, I, I knew I would, they had a lot back. I would but. love to have you on so we can talk about Wilson again in this spring. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. A lot of talent in the spring sports teams and baseball among them. Looking forward to that for sure but um again thank you to paul roberts for joining justin and i this evening that's going to wrap up the season seven premiere of the bulldog hour you know we covered a lot this evening we talked basketball we talked baseball here at the end got football in the middle you know put a bow on the 2020 season start to take an early look at 2021 and then talk about some of the past games in wilson football history so it was a lot of fun we hope everyone enjoyed watching or listening and we'll be back again in just about two months it's at the end of april i think it's april 25th is uh going to be our spring update and uh who knows uh what information we'll have for everyone yeah then we'll see what happens but um one last time before we go thank you to our sponsors may sandwich shop and small player big play make sure you check out the app on the apple and google app store so justin anything to say before we get out of here no. No, you're done. <laughs> he he's he's spent. He's out. <laughs> so um again for Paul, Justin, I'm Joe Mays. Thanks for listening to the season seven premiere of the Bulldog Hour, and we'll be back again for you in about two months. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.